I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. We are back for episode number... Six. This is episode number six of Love Stranger, um, where we put two strangers in a room and they fall in love. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so if you're joining us for the first time, this podcast is all about listening to uh, – I invite a guest on every week and they tell me about some strangers they have come across in their lives, uh, all sorts of weird and wacky and heartwarming and beautiful stories get shared in this space. Um, and this week we are shaking it up a little bit. So usually my guest will tell a story about one particular stranger, um, but this week we have two strangers. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so with me is Renee. Hello. 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 Um, so Renee is just going to free for all and tell us about some uh, stories on the sea. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. All right. Um, well, yeah, I've met quite a few strangers on the sea. You tend to, to do that when you, you go cruising. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people... Um, from all different walks of life, uh, out there for different reasons, you know, and, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, there was, there was one guy I met, uh, when I was in, um, yeah, Malaysia, uh, just near Singapore, mm-hmm. Johor Bahru, um, in this like dodgy old free marina there that some... Um, some rich oil dude had set up. Um, not sure exactly why. I had like this weird theme park next okay. to it. And, yeah, it was just like free, completely free. Um, and uh, yeah, this guy was from, I was going around the boats um, trying to get a little bit of work uh, helping people with their computers because mm-hmm. there's lots of old people who um, needed a little bit of help mm-hmm. and um, I could sort of help them. So I was going around boat to boat, meeting everyone. And this this dude was from Canada and he'd been working, you know, I, I went there, um, you know, to see if uh, he wanted any help, but it, basically we just spent the next three hours chatting. Mm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he had a really interesting story. He was from from Canada. He was working uh, with the military on a, on tanks, like, like a military engineer. Mm. And um, he'd noticed some dodgy behavior like embezzlement and stuff like that and mm-hmm. he blew the whistle on it and um you know as part of that he was threatened and stuff like that so mm-hmm. he just went off cruising um to avoid a lot of it mm-hmm. and um he told me how he'd met he'd met this this woman um through studying together uh in australia um, she was from Papua New Guinea, 
and they sort of fell in love while they were doing this course. Mm. And um, he he went back to where she, where she was from, and she was like a you know like a sort of village matriarch, I guess, in the area. Cool. And um, so yeah, they they had child together and everything, and he quickly sort of found out that the um, the tribe that he was now like strongly connected to had this pretty fierce reputation uh, amongst all the other tribes of um, being particularly skilled in like uh, death magic and there was just this high rate of killings. Okay. Um, yeah, so he <laughs> kind of drank from his own bottled water and ate all his own food mm. and um, it was often remarked that it would be quite difficult to do any magic on him because mm. uh, of that. And, mm. um, yeah, so he sort of, um, yeah, found his way out of there. Um, but he actually sort of, he believed there was some sort of, sort of power, like she had some sort of power mm. over him. Like he was in this, you're telling me how he was in the storm um, at sea for a few days. He'd broken the boom, uh, the sails were ripped to shreds and he saw a picture and he was looking at it and had this sort of, you know, spooky moment mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and threw it over the side and then the storm abated in a couple of hours after that. So wow. he was like fully convinced that she'd cast this sort of spell on him. Wow. <laughs> for like, yeah, running off. But he still supported her, I think. But um, mm. yeah, it was interesting because like in the village he was saying like there was this, um, uh, it was like, on the site, like the Japanese had invaded Papua New Guinea at one point during World War Two, mm. and um, you know they'd been extracting gold and stuff like that, and um, they had you know different bases set up, and so the village was actually built over the site of a of a pre-exist like of, the, of the, one of those sort of Japanese bases, mm. and um, through the middle of it there was like this cable running along the ground, and um, going into the ground and there was like a um like a, a story in the village that um you know you shouldn't uh dig that up because there was some sort of uh, i forget it was like a dragon or something like that or like a some mm. sort of mythology around like what that cable was doing there wow. but he like researched it a bit and was like yeah the japanese had a base here and they probably dumped a cache of Something, mm. weapons, gold or something, not sure. Mm. And um, But yeah. Wow. No one was meant to dig that up. But wow. then he reckoned that there was like Japanese, uh, you know, people snooping it out <laughs> when he yeah. was there. So I don't know, it just seemed like an interesting sort of story. I've got no idea whether, you know, how true all that stuff is. But, yeah. yeah. Do you have any idea what it would have been like to live in that? culture in the Papua New Guinean tribe with like that fear of magic being cast on you or whatever and like if that challenges your own personal beliefs or anything like do you know anything about the culture surrounding that? Uh, I don't I mean yeah this was just a sort of secondhand story Mm. Um, but yeah he he lived there for a little while Um, but I think it was enough him to to feel so uncomfortable that he wanted to get out mm. and you know um but yeah he's got a 
got a couple of kids running around in there wow. um, and sending money over periodically, I think, mm. um, to, to look after them. But I think, yeah, just being there and not being accustomed, like it would be difficult because there's all sorts of, yeah, ways of behaving from other stuff I've read, um, yeah, to to try and smooth things over so mm. you don't get killed. Do you know how long <laughs> this was before you met him in Malaysia? Like had he been sailing the seven seas between between then and when you met him? Yeah, I think it had been sort of between, I think, five and ten years or something. It'd wow. Been, been sort of sailing around, yeah. Long time. Mm. Um, <laughs> so who is your second stranger, <laughs> Renee? <laughs> second one... Um, wow, there, yeah, there's this awesome, awesome couple we met, um, my ex and I, uh, when we were holed up in Townsville, mm. um, uh, Cyclone Yasi, um, had come in and we were in the marina there and I had my engine in pieces. And so I wasn't able to actually take the boat out into the mangroves where it would have been a lot safer. Oh. Um, so we had to sort of leave it there. Uh, and take everything off the boat and then put it into our friend's house, Mm -hmm. which was this rickety old Queenslander Mm -hmm. with lots of trees all around it. (laughs) And we were looking at it going, oh, I wonder if this is going to... Cyclone coming through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It ended up being all right. Um, We just moved into a a sturdy uh, brick house next door that wasn't being used. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, uh, one of the people I met there who we sort of shared a lot of experiences through that. Um, he was this really interesting dude and he taught me a lot. Um, I now have a completely different approach to um, uh, wound care because mm. he, he used to be a um, one of those rescue people in the Swiss Alps. Wow. Yeah. Cool. He'd, yeah, he'd done all sorts of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I... I uh, yeah, now clean the wound properly and like put <laughs> stuff on and like do skills it. you learn during yeah, yeah. cyclones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that dude was interesting. He was from from South Africa. His his dad sort of got a job with CSIRO because he was, um, you know, very smart. He could memorize pages of books and the page numbers and the quotes from them and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and this dude himself was sort of ADHD. Um, so it's the first time I sort of realised that, that that way of thinking is, um, you know, it's actually really useful if you're spending a lot of time doing really intense, fast things. So, so he, was, he was pretty good at, like, going down uh, hills at 60 k's an hour on a skateboard. Wow. And that sort of stuff and, mm. you know, sailing really f- on really fast trimarans mm. through... Was he uh, a sailor as well? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, so they're on this little cat, um, and he had an interesting story um, about this time where he'd seen this advert for you know a ship's captain to to help on this cruise mm. and um, for a trimaran, and uh, he really liked fa- sailing fast trimarans, so he, he was kind of interested, and um, the person he would be doing it with. Was had won some sort of sailing competition mm. in Europe, and it was a little bit like it, it was like a landlocked country, uh, and so it seemed a bit weird that yeah you'd you know win a sailing yeah. competition <laughs> if you're in a, a country that's surrounded by other land. That's right. 
but I did Great. have a lake, um, <laughs> and the dude was paying him. So I thought, yeah, oh, um, I'll do that. And so he, he went off. He met this dude, and and they uh, went, you know, sailing together. Um, and then uh, they hit, and it seemed fine. Um, then they landed in the Philippines. And then uh, when they got into the port, all these boxes started getting loaded onto the boat. Mm-hmm. And they were all, um, what do you call that? Uh, Viagra. <laughs> okay. So it was just boxes and boxes of Viagra. Mm-hmm. And so he slowly found out that his job was to sail the boat uh, and look after the boat. And the other guy's job was to basically... Have as much sex as he possibly could. That's what a horrible <laughs> life to live. What a yeah. horrible way. <laughs> that was complete sarcasm in case you didn't get that yeah. through my voice. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. That's such an interesting ship dynamic. <laughs> I'm just trying to visualise like – uh, like in, in any other kind of like um, like a transferable day-to-day scenario, like if you're living in a house, like even that on a – I'm thinking like housemate relationship, like one person's job is to like <laughs> clean the house and like buy all the groceries and the other person's job is to just have as much sex it's as they fuck. possibly can. Like, But if you're on a <laughs> boat, that's even more like – It's a very small boat. I, it's oh, a tremoran. yeah, There's there you go. Room. Yeah. yeah, so he spent a lot of the time up the mast. Yeah, right. Feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do adjoining walls in a housemate scenario. It's not something I can do. <laughs> Learned that the hard way. Uh, sorry to any, any ex-housemates who are listening to this. Um, <laughs> but, yes, anyway, continue with your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so they went around, you know, village to village and um, – you know, they spent a lot of time in this one particular village uh, where there was this very gorgeous, you know, local belle of the village, this local beautiful girl. Was she yeah. singing Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> <laughs> was it that? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I guess he could think about it a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, yeah, no, uh, he got his own back in the end because, um, you know, as my friend said, he'd spent weeks getting his end in. Uh, with this girl and um, mm. the locals started to get a bit sort of uh, restless mm-hmm. um, and they ended up surrounding the boat and coming on and um, he got uh, like forced into marriage at Machete Point. On the boat? Yeah. Like there and then? I think, it, well, yeah, it wasn't my story. I can't give you that detail, yeah. sorry. <laughs> That's my understanding, yeah. He, he was up the mast when it happened. So my friend saw all these guys with machetes and just scrambled up the mast. Wow. And they all came onto the boat and forced him to marry the girl. Wow. And so, yeah, he signed all the papers and, and did that right there. And he did it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, they're married now. <laughs> Are they still married? Are they still together? I don't know. That's, that's like, one of the questions I guess I would ask. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So what happened post that? Did he like scramble down the um, mast? Did, did he like stay the night up the mast? Does he have like I this? I think he had, to, he had to get dropped off um, and find his own way back on a different boat. Right. Something like that, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, that was a bit of an adventure for him. Um. Look, I think that's a, that's a pretty 
a pretty amazing story. I don't know if you if you met someone whose marriage story was that, and you're like, oh, like how do you two know each other? Like general kind of small talk, and all of a sudden it just like like snowballs into this. Oh yeah, you know we got married at like Machete Point, blah blah blah. blah. Like it's totally fine. Wow, I love crazy stories like that. Wow, there you go. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Are you still in contact with with either of these people? Um, I would like to be. Uh, but, you know, it's been a little while. I, I think I was, might still have an email address. But, mm. yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen them. Um, that, that dude I, I would like to catch up with again. Mm. Um, Learn some more cyclone um, Yeah, it's just a nice guy. Just was, was <laughs> you know, you know, some people are good to be around. You know, yeah. Sort of, yeah, teach you stuff. Sort of like that. The other guy, you know, didn't have a massively deep connection with. He was mm. really just a just stranger. Just like a passing, fleeting yeah. thing. Cool. Yeah. Is that a common thing, like life on the sea? When I think of life on the sea, I just think of automatically parts of the Caribbean, like that kind of like <laughs> medieval-esque pirate kind of like you got to be dressed up with like a big like trench coat, I don't know, bunch of like facial hair even though I'm a woman. But, you know, um, that's, that's how I imagine it. Um, so what – I'm just going to go on a bit of a tangent here because this. Is I something... just thought of another story. Actually. Oh, great, cool. Let's no, let's cool, spiral no, in two directions. I want to hear your tangent first. Though. What is life on the sea like? Um, oh, uh, there's just lots of different types of people. Like you get the people in the big carbon fiber catamarans okay. who own like you know real estate empires, um, and then you get people who have jumped on a 25 foot. Um, boat that they got for free and have wow. sailed around the world on it, you know. So you get all sorts of different people. And um, I've just had a little fire be ignited in my heart going, <laughs> yes, I can get a boat for free. This is going to be my life from now on. Done. I'm going to raise a cat on the boat and get married at Machete Point. Amazing. My life plan is sorted. Thanks, Renee. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you just say you're going to get married at Sword Point? Uh, well, look, I think it'd be a funny story. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So no, you get all sorts, and you know, there's lots. Like, there's lots to learn, and it's you know, not the easiest life because mm. you know you got to deal with weather all the time. You're always thinking about weather and poo. Um, <laughs> that seems to like come up a lot in conversations. Can you not? Like, I don't want to talk about poo this podcast. (laughs) No, no, no. Like, it's a serious thing. Like, where to poo, especially in Queensland. Oh, true. Where, where to? Oh, like, governments like Queensland like to, you know, restrict. Can you do like composting toilets or something? You can sort of do that. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's not much space on a boat, so right. Yeah, yeah. But there's always this issue, like, because, like, yeah. I mean. You don't want to talk about poo on the podcast, but, <laughs> but give us the info. Okay, <laughs> Lay okay. It out. right. So I need to know what I'm in for if I'm going to get a free boat and sail around yeah, yeah. the world. If you macerate poo uh, and it goes into salt water, all the bacteria die within two hours. So you know it's kind of not a problem. The, the real problem is if there's too much you know nutrients in the water and there's like a red tide or something like that. But we've got these pretty crazy restrictions like here in Queensland where you know you can't release even treated sewage like sewage that's had all the bacteria killed in it before it gets pumped out um you can't release that into you know morton bay which gets flushed with the the tides every you know six twelve hours so it's sort of it's hard to be a itinerant sort of person like 
wanderlusting around, you know, Because you need Queensland. to be aware of poo laws. Because you have to have, like, crazy wow. toilets and pump out and all this stuff. Yeah. So all these restrictions. That's so interesting that that's, like, a, a daily, <laughs> daily concern. <laughs> like, instead of, like, oh, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Oh, where are we going to put our poo tonight? <laughs> like, that's such an interesting, like, regular train of thought. That just ends up becoming part of your daily life. That's, that's fascinating. Wow, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. So I think, yeah, a lot of people don't don't bother following it to the exact letter. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing that... What that's a great bonding um, bonding topic of conversation. <laughs> you can tell someone's a sailor if they talk to you about about their excretion. Great to know. Yeah, <laughs> cool. but, um, yeah. The other story, um, story number three, the surprise story that surprise even I was story. not prepared for. Yeah. So it's another another um, yachties I met uh, in Langkawi in Malaysia again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're from South Africa, mm. and they were just really cool, really interesting people. Um, they they ran like a um, they had like a, a marijuana farm on in, the boat. No, in South oh, Africa, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a farm on the boat. Amazing. <laughs> no, it was like a you know illegal sort of farm. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, but they were sort of you know set up good relations with the locals, so you know they let. Let people go through the farm, um, whereas you know other farmers in the area would like be really in conflict with them mm. and like put up like witch doctor dolls to try and keep them away and stuff and wow guns and stuff like that. But yeah, he was telling me he'd he'd actually once uh, been arrested um, and put into the prison system in South Africa, which was a bit of an experience uh, for him. Um, because I didn't realize this, but more people graduate from prison in South Africa than they do graduate from university. Um, so there's this completely different dynamic within the whole culture. Yeah, so many people have been through it. Um, but yeah, the, uh, he was telling me how there's these um, gangs within South Africa, like the numbers gangs, where they um, they've got this whole mythology around um, you know, the, the basis of the gang, like uh, the originator of the gang. Like there was like this boulder that rolled down the hill and it had like inscriptions on it and stuff and then he copied that onto like a rawhide and like there's like the, 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 the sort of um, the rules of, you know, how to become a member and wow. the relationships with the other gangs and stuff like that. Um, so each gangs have got different numbers and so there's like some of them are in conflict with each other but basically all of them are in conflict with the police sort of state or the the prison system and stuff so there's like if you're in gang 22 or something you you have to kill like a police warden before you become in the gang you know like that's like the entry wow <laughs> and then if you're in this other gang you have to kill someone from the other gang to get into that gang <laughs> so it's oh just my goodness hardcore stuff so it's a whole and it, it's all based on this like mythological uh i don't want to call it mythological well, though if it's like there's so like real a, for them. yeah there's like some sort of um 
Yeah, creation myth for the like for the gang. But yeah, <laughs> that's so fascinating. It is pretty interesting. Yeah, so he was in that environment um, in the in jail in South Africa, and because there's so many people in the prison system, mm. they don't have very many separate cells. Mm. So they've just got these massive cells with lots of people in them. Mm-hmm. So he felt very vulnerable, and um, he sort of just really kept to himself mm. and like tried to. And most people just saw straight through him and completely ignored him. Mm. So he was kind of okay, but he saw some stuff that was like, you know, yeah, people uh, getting, you know, like surrounded mm. and then the body was just left there. Everyone ran off and there's like a body that had to be cleaned up. Wow. Yeah, stuff like that. So, yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> wow. Other yachties I met from there who had lots of hardcore <laughs> stories. Yeah. Uh, I just want to divert for a second and say that I love that you use the word yotties. Is, is are there any other like slang words <laughs> like between uh, like just the sailing community? I mean, ones that you can share, obviously not the not the like secret ones to gain your entry into secret <laughs> secret sailor locations. Um, but are there any like yotties like catamarans? Like I don't know. Are there any? Is there any other like? Um, Weird quirks about like I don't know. The people but the catamaranis, you have to ask them because they're just a different brand of people. Okay, like you get those really rich dudes and the people who've just jumped in a boat, and they'll all end up on the beach having a barbecue together. And yeah, you know, yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, there's a if as far as terms go. Um, yeah, lingo. I gr- wanna, I grotty, some... grotty yachty. Grotty yachty is a term. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Well, like, in what context would I use that in? Oh, you know, my dad's a bit of a grotty yachty. Or uh, <laughs> is that like what's like a a synonym for that? Is that like um, like uh, what kind of person? Like, what kind of characteristics well, would a person have for me to describe times, that? Times have really changed, you know. Okay. Like, well, like, yeah, you don't really see them much anymore. Okay, but you might see them in some stretches of the Brisbane River. Okay. Maybe still. All right. There might be still a couple. But, um, you know, when I was a lot younger um, or when my dad was around, even before I was born, um, Brisbane was different, you know, in Balimba. Mm. It's a very swish suburb now, but uh, there, there were quite a few grotty yachties there. Okay. Um, and, you know, selling, you know, stolen outboard motors and stuff down on the docks. And yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. It's all changed. But, yeah, I guess that's. Grotty yachties don't have to be, you know, uh, yeah, um, you know, selling stolen stuff. They just mm. might be, you know, in their boat, not in like a very high class boat, just mm-hmm. in like a, you know, yeah. <laughs> cool. So the boat that does the job. <laughs> so my my life goal now is to be a grotty yachty <laughs> and get married at Machete Point. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, so my last little question for you. We've talked about like four different strangers, but if any one of them in particular stand out for you for this question, go for your life. Uh, if you were to see any of them, again, if you're sailing down the Brisbane River and you go, oh, <laughs> that person's a grotty yachty, and then they stick their head out and it's like, hooray, I know this person and I, I spoke about them on this podcast. Yeah. Um what would you say to them? What kind of uh, conversation do you think you would have with that person? 
ah, oh, I would immediately have to get on the radio and radio them up mm-hmm. and arrange a catch up um, and just catch up on life yeah. and what's been happening. And um, yeah, there's so much, I guess, so many years mm-hmm. have gone by. Are there any particular questions that you're like, oh, I would really love to know this about their life? Yeah. Um, I would, I don't know. Yeah. I'd, Love to know how they went after Yasi, like whether they got to go traveling or mm. if they got stuck, like paying off a mortgage. <laughs> yeah, cool. or yeah, what the, what the, what did, what more adventures you know have yeah. happened? Yeah, some adventure, adventure story sharing. We would have an adventure story catch up. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> All righty. Um. Well, uh, that is us. Um. Oh, thank you so much for sharing so many more stories than I was originally expecting. That was that was a fun little. I just thought of another one, but yeah, we'll save it for another <laughs> podcast. We'll save it for another podcast. <laughs> another story. Another story. Uh, thank you for listening, <laughs> everyone. Um, and please do let me know if you end up uh, becoming a full-time sailor on a grotty yachty or if you get married at Machete Point. I'd love to know how that goes. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you all next week. But thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the outro music. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.